This episode is brought to you by Thorn, the industry leader in nutritional solutions. Now, Thorn is actually trusted by eight U.S. national teams and championship teams in the NFL, NBA, and Major League, as well as recently becoming the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. So when it comes to supplements... The tactical athlete space and the athletic space need two things. We need efficacy, meaning the products do what they say they're going to do on the label. And then we need to trust the fact that we are not going to fail either athletic drug tests or work-related drug tests. Now, Thorne has actually been around since the 1980s, where they were used by physicians and hospitals for nutritional supplements for the patients. They were so successful that athletic teams and even special operations teams reached out to them and they started supplying them as well. Very recently, they actually opened their doors to the general public. Now, what sets Thorne apart is they manufacture their own products in a state-of-the-art NSF-certified facility in South Carolina. They use only the purest possible ingredients formulated with no stearates or arbitrary fillers in the cleanest manufacturing process. Most of you listening come from a profession where it can take its toll physically and mentally, and many of us are not able to bolster our nutrition purely with the food that we eat. And that's where supplementation comes in. So if you're ready to maximize your health and performance, visit thorn.com, T-H-O-R-N-E.com. Take a short product quiz to be paired up with the perfect health and fitness supplements. And for you, the audience, if you use the code BTS10, behind the shield 10, BTS10, you will get 10% off your first order. And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not I have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, 
you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to the Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Mohammed Wali Taslim. Now, Wally and his family have an incredible story from joining the Moshahadeen and fighting the Soviets, moving to Pakistan when Wally was a boy, witnessing the oppression of the Taliban, Wally joining the Afghan Special Forces and ultimately serving alongside the U.S. Green Berets, and his amazing journey that took him to America, which then led him to join the Black Rifle Coffee Company team, founded by some of the very soldiers he served alongside in Afghanistan. Before we get to this amazing conversation, as I say every week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, therefore making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth, with over 600 episodes. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Mohammed Wali Taslim. Enjoy. Well, Wally, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Behind the Shield podcast today. Uh, thank you. Thank you to invite me to do the interview with you. Thank you. So firstly, where on planet Earth are we finding you today? Where are you sitting today? Uh, I'm at the BRCC right now in Black Rifle Copy Company. Beautiful. And that's in Utah. Is that right, Salt Lake City? Yeah, Utah, Salt Lake City. I'm sitting in the meeting room. They call the Washington Room. I can see why. <laughs> There's a picture of George Washington behind you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm originally from England. Um, obviously, based on your accent, you're not originally from America either. Um, so I would love to start at your early life, but I think the best way for me to paint a picture of, of your childhood would probably be to go back to your father's early life, because I know when you were very young, you moved to Pakistan. So if you wouldn't mind, tell me where your father was, was born, and then tell me what Afghanistan was like when he was young. Oh, uh, honestly, uh, long, uh, that's a long time ago, before I born. My father, he born in Lahman, uh, France, is the east of Afghanistan. And he grew up in uh, Lahman, uh, uh, and he was the one, no brother, and he had a sister. Uh, when he born, his father, he was six months when my grandfather, he passed away. You know, at that uh, time, it was difficult for my grandmother uh, to handle everything what now has been and Laura child. And, you know, long time ago, there was no business, just farmer, that kind of thing. And she was... Uh, worry to because you know when i heard the story from my parents 
and they were, you know, she was scared to no one kill my father because he was the only one and they had some formal land. And so if he was gone, you know, then the people or the, like, I don't have an uncle like the, from the neighbor or like my father, cousin, they will be handle all the land and that. But uh, yeah, she was a strong woman and she didn't marry to the other person, just uh, uh, busy with the one child, uh, with the two child daughter and uh, my father. When my father uh, grew up and that was difficult for her, but she sent him to the school. Then he came a good education person you know, money, uh, uh, then my father started with the, uh, he came at, after when he graduated, came a teacher and came a principal for the school. And, and uh, also just is a long life, but I will share some of the story with you. You know, when we said the, when the world is very small, that means, you know, when the Taliban was in Afghanistan, at la- uh, last uh, the first time, you know, there was no business and I stopped uh, school. Uh, the reason one day I went to school, the one of the teacher and he cut my hair and he hurt me with a stick. And they said, when you come to the school, you need to have a hat and that. Then when I come, I come home and I told my father, hey, father, I don't want to go to school anymore because we were thinking that Afghanistan is down. That will be the Taliban will be stay forever. Then. Then I stopped school. Then uh, for a short time, <clears throat> we had a, a, the truck uh, transportation company. We, uh, my father owned uh, some uh, small and big trucks. And one day, with the driver, I went to, went to the one of the district of uh, Lagman province. And our truck has broke down. And the, dri- the driver, he went to the city to bring the part of the truck. And... Uh, and um, I was with my truck uh, close to the village, and there was a guy. He had some fruit. Uh, he he was walking. You know, uh, he was walking from the shop uh, from the uh, city, uh, the, the closer city to his home, like for more than uh, two hours. And he, when he came close to our truck, and he asked me, "Hey, he was no because uh, that was a mountain area, and I w- they were no from my." language from my dialect and from my clothes he's not from here and also i was with my truck and he asked me uh, looked like your truck broke down i said yeah and i was a young boy and he asked me do you have any i said uh, no the driver went to bring the part and our driver was an old man he was a famous driver on that uh, line because he was not a lot of uh, track on that uh, road and he asked me, okay, uh, do you know where you stay in night? I said, uh, I'm staying my truck. And he asked me, do you have any food or something? I said, no, maybe uh, I will ask from this village, uh, village so they can give me some food. And he asked me, where, uh, uh, where are you from? He asked me, what village are you from? I told him my village where I'm from. And he told me, do you know that guy? That was my father. I said, yeah, I know him. He's my father. Then that old man, the guys, he gave me a hug and he said, uh, I have a very good friendship with your father from long time. Your father was a man, and he bring the, you know, he's bring like a education light to our family, 
because like I said, for my father, when he grew up and he, he, he was a teacher for a long time, then he was a principal and he was helping at that time when he was young or when he was a teacher, you know, Afghanistan was in a good situation. The school, everything was on good system. Then the guys told me, you not need to worry about your track. And they called the guys, hey, you need to watch that car track. And I take, he's my nephew. I'll take him my home. Then, yeah, that kind of, uh, uh, that thing will give me the energy, what my father did. And let me share you the other story from Utah. You know, when I moved uh, to U.S. and I wasn't, you know, first I moved to Virginia. From Virginia, I came here. You know, there was a, we have a true holiday, they call Big Eat and Small Eat. And, and there was an Afghan community in Utah, they invite me for the, uh, that uh, party, that eat party. And I joined with my wife and kid, and there were some oldest people. And when, uh, when, I inter- uh, when we came together and I introduced myself, there was a three people, three old men, and they hugged me and they say, when I said I'm from uh, that Lachman province, and one of the guys, he, old guy, he called me, you looks like that man from your face. I said, that's my father. <laughs> and he, they hugged me and they said, your father was our teacher. And they share in their story. And the same night in Idaho, my wife, cousin, she lived in Idaho. And we stay for the party and like we drove to the Idaho. In Idaho, we stay with a family, with my wife's cousin, and next day, because the eat was for three days, and they had a, and tomorrow they had another party in Boise, Idaho. And I went to the um, Boise with my f- wife's family, and there were some people, and I, when I introduced uh, myself, and they said, oh, you're the son of this man, and that means that kind of thing uh, gave me a really energy or I proud on my father, what he did for the country and for the people, especially our country is a not rich country from the long time, poor country, like farmer people, but besides that, like there were some people, they helped rest up the Afghan with the education system. That means uh, I always proud of my father. What he, you know, he didn't lead uh, or people to give them a gun to fight uh, like a rest of the commanders or squad leader in Afghanistan. I know because I grew up after that. Like my family changed from the education family to the politic family. Then I know the people, but I always proud of my father because he was helping people with the education thing, with the with the pain, not with the gun. And he grew up then uh, when the Russia came to Afghanistan or before Russia, there's some like like a party start. And my father was uh, not part of the party, but he was helping the party who was the honest party, who was helping the country. And then they tried to kill my father. When the Russia came to Afghanistan, those guys, they... I, sometime when I was in Afghanistan, my mom, she was sharing the story. Even the cold time when the Russia or the regime or the government of that time, and they were uh, trying to uh, capture my father and they came to my home few times. And before they come to my village to start to search my house, you know, they had some contact or the friendship and they will let my family know, hey, today. 
tonight the government people come and they're looking for you. They're searching your home. Then my father was spent whole night on the tree. You know, he was climbing the tree and staying the tree in cold weather so they cannot capture. Then he came wounded. When he came wounded, that was the time I was lost. One of my uncle, he was a big commander for the Mujahideen. And then, then they made decision to... Uh, my like my uncles, they were uh, like the, when I say my uncle, that's from my mother's side. My mother's brother, one of them was a big commander. He was a uh, he was killed, and the other one was wounded by uh, Russia. He got a, a shot on his uh, neck and one shot on his uh, leg. And also that was a time to I was lost one of my sister by the Russia at that time, and one of my brother he was killed by the Russia. And then they moved to Pakistan and. You know, uh, when they moved to Pakistan, my oldest brother, they were uh, uh, fighting with Russia and Afghanistan for a few months. They were crossed the, the dual line, staying in shower for a little bit. I just a little bit remember when they were coming back from the fight and stay for a week, two weeks or months, or then they turned back to Afghanistan. But then my father, he still, he was a deep the uh, education system afghan education system in peshawar he was a deep the. then yeah that was his life he was always helping people uh, you know the other good thing on my father in afghanistan that a lot common you know when we moved to afghanistan the when the russia moved from afghanistan then my father he told my brothers hey you guys not need to the russia's gone yeah. Just, he didn't let my brothers to have an open organ uh, and uh, then he buy some trucks and had a like transportation company to make some money for the family then uh, I remember one thing when the when we moved to Afghanistan and some of our neighbors like we had a lane together and they tried to get some of part of our lane and they tried to fight us. Big. I grew up in a uh, uh, twelve brother. I have a twelve brother. Two of my brothers they got a kill. And but we 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 were twelve brother, but still we were strong and like we had a strong arm. The reason because we were twelve brothers. But even we were twelve. The other side, even they were one. And my father, they didn't let to fight with them. And we were not fighting. Uh, we were fighting to protect our property and he said no they're they're not education people they're crazy don't worry just i want to talk to them or i want to talk to the oldest they can explain them but that means he he was always the person he was thinking the good thing about the family and the people well firstly what an amazing example of the power of education that you moved to america and in two different states you meet people that were moved by your father yeah. Yes. And like I said, I, I even in Salt Lake City, those guys, they are still alive. I pray for them to, to God, give them a, a longer life. Because when I always meet them and they're, they're sharing the story from the long time. You know, right now, the they don't have the technology at that time. But right now, it's a high technology when they're sharing that time. And, and how hard for, for them and the situation and also how hard for them, like no transportation, they were walk for long and they were using the bicycle and uh, 
yeah, that that was like that was a that was very really hard for them. And I, I tried to meet them. If I didn't meet those guys for a month or two, and they're like, when I see them, and they're upset, they said, "You are our nephew," and that means because they spent. Even my father was their teacher, and they respect that time what my father done for these guys. And they always like to see me because when they see me and they give me a hug and they said, we, when we give you a hug, that means like we gave your father a hug. Yeah. Well, today's climate, obviously, we're learning about, you know, Russians invading Ukraine. So when, obviously, I know you were very, very young, but what did your family tell you about the impact of Afghanistan, excuse me, the impact of Russia invading Afghanistan, and also what what was the reason that they invaded in the first place? You know, Russia was a strong country at that time. They, you know, the government at that time, and they brought the Afghanistan, and they had a good relationship with Russia. And Russia was a strong country because, like Ukraine, some of the other country. They were part of the Russia, and <clears throat> and the Russia. When I heard, and they were thinking that they come to Afghanistan, and they had a plan to go to Pakistan and go to the hot water. And <clears throat> when they come to Afghanistan, I'm the sample for the one of the million of Afghan family. So I lost the member of my family, and how hard was that? And we call in our language the Kowa. The Kua men, when their force was tried to attack one of the village or one of the place, and they were killing the human, even they were killing the animal. Why the Afghan people, and they came, you know, the first they start fighting with the, you know, even they have a gun or no, they start fighting to support uh, their land, their country, and their family. You know, the, then after that, when they start inside the Afghanistan, is a long story in the flooded, when the leader come to Pakistan and they got a support. The Pakistan gave them the place to live there. And the Saudi Arabia, some of the Arabic country, they gave them the money. The U.S. gave them some support with the gun and money to give them the train. And they came, you know, they start with this very small group in Afghanistan. When they come to Pakistan, they got a big, different kind of support, and they start fighting with the Russia. You know, at that time, we, you know, that was the the fight was the, the for the country and the religion thing. Afghanistan is a Muslim country, and what they did with the people, like I told you earlier, the Afghan is a poor people. And they try to protect the country. And also, even when they're coming, they broke their home down, they kill the people, they kill their animal. And, you know, at that time, the Afghan income was there, the farmer and their animal, like cow and some other stuff. But that was the, people, that was the decision for the people when they start fighting the Russia to protect their country and their people. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, your family joined Moshahedin, is that right? Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, my, fa- my family, they were part of the Jamiat. They were close to Masood, you know, Commander Masood. You know, the leader for that was, uh, uh, they call Burhanuddin Rabbani. And I'm from the east of Afghanistan. Most of the Jamiat was um, north of Afghanistan, like Pinesher, north of Afghanistan. And there was a two big family. They were part of that uh, uh, party, like Jamiat. 
One was my uncle families and one was the uh, other family. And they joined that party. And then after that, when my brother was young and my the then when my brother grew up at that time and they came uh, together uh, like as a bodyguard or was, as a mujahideen for my uncle, they were fighting. They start in Lahman province. Then when I lost my uncle, he was a big commander. Then rest of my mother family, like my uncles and my grandma, and they moved to Pakistan. And my grandma, she was a strong woman. Just some, let me share some of the my grandfather or grandmother, uh, their life story. What is, in, you know, my, fa- my grandfather and my uncle from my mother's side, and they were a business. They were bring the green tea from India or Pakistan at that time, and they would take some food from Afghanistan to that neighbor country. And they were, they were rich people on their village. You know, uh, my mother's, uh, like, they had, like, always big cooking in their home uh, for the people. When the people was coming from different places, even when the people, they're working close to this, uh, their home and they don't have a lunch, they're coming to their home and they give them the lunch for free. And, uh, you know, we have a one month of holiday of Ramadan and for the Muslim. You know, most of the people, my mom, sometimes she was showing, uh, telling me, like, when the people were, they were working in Bazar or city, and they had like a daily business, and they were poor people, and they were not bring the lunch, uh, or like, sorry, when they were buying, they were working in the daytime in Bazar, and they don't have enough money to take some food uh, or fruit for their family, like almost every day. Then my grandfather, and he was buying every day a lot, and he had a plastic bag, and he was no because when the people is walking, when they they will see the people, they don't have a because uh, the, at that time there was not a lot of like the car to, to use like like a taxi or something. There, most of the people they were walking for like a four five or more uh, kilometer from home to work, and they don't have a fruit. And my uncle was my sorry, my grandfather was on their plastic, but there, he was making ready for money bags and when the people that was walking crossing their home and he was gave it to them hey take that to your uh, family your kid and when uh, i lost my oldest uncle uh, as a commander for the mujahideen then my second uncle he came a commander then my other uncle he was a deputy commander for their group and they moved to pakistan you know perhanid uh, rabani uh, he was a leader and he was respect my grandfather family the reason they lost one of their uh, son he was a commander and he was called my grandmother uh, he was calling my grandmother the mother he was once a month or once a two three months he was come to my uh, our home we were live together uh, in Peshawar to respect uh, my grandmother as a he lost as she lost her son then um, uh, then after that, when they moved to Pakistan, like I told you earlier, they were always fighting for the country. They were fighting the Russia or the government at that time. So what made your family move you to Pakistan? I not remember. I was uh, when uh, we moved to Pakistan. I remember the time. Uh, I remember the time when I play with the kid. I remember that time when, when I was playing with the kid. But my mom, they told me you were like like around one or one and a half years old at that age when we moved to Pakistan. Okay. 
Okay, now I want to make sure I understand. So how, how many years did you spend in Pakistan before you came back over to Afghanistan? We spent there like, a, I think, four or five years. Okay, so when you came back, what I'd love to kind of paint the picture is what Afghanistan used to be like. And then when the Taliban started, you know, becoming a cancer in your country, what things changed? Honestly, for me, when uh, I remember uh, we moved our home like at the big truck and small truck for the family, I was sitting on the top of the truck and I was see a lot of old tank beside the road, like a, a lot of damage around. But then uh, I, like we were happy Afghanistan was looks very really nice. Uh, uh, then we moved to uh, our village. Then I moved to Kabul. Uh, the time when I moved to the Kabul, that was the time after the, the fight between the Mujahideen. You know, when I saw the Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, that was broke down. And like even there was a lot of place. Uh, when I was walking uh, with some of my member family to cross to go somewhere and I was passing that broken, uh, that down place and during the day you were scared because um, when the Russia moved from Afghanistan the, after that, the government by Dr. Najibullah and when they let the Mujahideen came, you know, the Mujahideen, I used to, I'm uh, like I said, I grew up in a Mujahideen family and I respect and I love to be a part of grow up in a Mujahideen family. But after that, when the leaders did for the country, I did not respect that. Because Russia gone, Najib led them to come and they start the fight between each other and they bring the Afghanistan down. And not a good business at that time when I remember the Afghanistan and not a good education system because after the rush, or the government of Najib was left, and there was a big fight between the leaders, uh, between the different party, like Jamiat, Islami, or many other. And uh, Afghanistan was not in a good situation until when the Taliban came. When the Taliban came to Afghanistan, first time, they make, they didn't fight a lot with the Mujahideen. They got all control for the Afghanistan. But the bad thing, that was Afghanistan was safe, that true. Afghanistan was safe, but not good education system, not the business system. The people was poor. When the Taliban came, the people came more down. Their situation was more down. No job, no money. That was a very poor country. It was a poor country, but when the Taliban came, the country came more down. Now, I heard you touch on, on the religious element as well. I always talk a lot about I believe that all the the religions are founded on very very simple things about being kind, being compassionate, being um, you know a community helping each other. And so when you see the Ku Klux Klan take Christianity and turn it into hate, when you see the Taliban take the Quran and turn it into hate, to me that's you know not what the religions are about. What what did you see through Afghani eyes as far as taking the Muslim faith and and trying to justify all the hatred and killing that was going on? That uh, In Afghanistan? Uh, yes. Honestly, you know, uh, in Afghanistan, there was generally like almost 99% was all Muslim. And we had some Hindu. And I didn't meet, but uh, I heard from media and I saw in the media there were some uh, Christian family. There was in Kabul and Herat. 
but they didn't hurt. Even we had some Hindu, they're not Muslim, but they were live in Afghanistan, but they were a little bit scared. Honestly, you know, if, you know, as a religion, as a Muslim, you know, in our holy book and Quran, they said, if you kill anybody with no reason, if they didn't hurt you or your family, that means you hurt, you kill all the human. But right now, honestly, what the Taliban did at that time and what they're doing right now, they're show the Islam bad to the people. You know, the, when they come to last time to Afghanistan, like I said, it was a bad education system generally, but it was more worse for the women. You know, in our holy book, and they said the education need to be for the men and women. You know, the very easy, I know you heard that sample a thousand times. You know, if you didn't let your daughter or your sister to go to the school, how can the, the woman would become an, as a doctor? If there's no woman doctor, I told that to Taliban. When your wife is pregnant, do you want to take him to the main doctor? No, exactly. No, you need men and women in every role. Yeah. You know, uh, honestly, beside, behind the Taliban, they are not Afghan. They are not the religion people. They not know a lot. That's true. They have some mullah, but they're some mullah. They have some uh, religion or, or Islam education, but they always behind those guys. There's a big different game or behind the big party. You know, Af Afghanistan is a, right now, Afghanistan is a controlled by the Taliban, almost 100% Afghanistan. The people, they're died, they're killing or they're selling their kid to make some money to buy a food for the rest of the family. Right now, they're not thinking about to how can find, make their salt nice for the, for the world to the, including the America rest of the world to trust them, to help them. But they start, hey, right now when you watch the media, it's like almost every media, they're talking talking about the hijab of the women. No, this is not the time to you're talking. That means because Afghanistan is a country, like some of the neighbor countries, some of the strong countries, they want that Afghanistan will be on the board. Because we have a, the, one a sample or one word in our language they call make the water dirty to get the fish. When the water came dirty, then the fish coming on top. And for some of the country that they, they want to keep the Afghanistan always uh, in the war or in the fight so they can Russia, US, Pakistan. You know, Russia came to Afghanistan after that. U.S. come to the Afghanistan and they built a lot of Afghanistan. But I don't know what happened as a big talk. But like Afghanistan as a country, like I very sad for the Afghanistan, for the people. We grew up as a poor people in the world. And always we lost almost every Afghan, lost their member of the family. At the end, nothing. Like Afghanistan, is a, that was a nice country. It, it was a safe country. When the Russia came, after the Russia gone, the leader, the Mujahideen came. What the Mujahideen did, they broke down the Afghanistan. And after that, the U.S. government came to the Afghanistan. They built a lot 
the Afghanistan, the education system was high. The a lot of the you know for last twenty or twenty years, the Afghanistan has changed. Like when you change the picture of that, it was a it was a beautiful Afghanistan. The education system was high. The business system was high. We had a good government, like a uh, the army, police, and intelligence. Find like end of the day, nothing, and like I, you know, I share you about the rest of my family. But even in for last twenty years, I done thousands, hundreds of mission, and I lost one of my uncle uh, by the suicide attack. He was a general. He was a general. He was a second. Uh, he was a deeply intelligent for a whole country. I lost him. And I lost a lot of my friends. We were fighting uh, for the country. I know there was thousands or hundreds thousands of Afghan army or police. They uh, they lost their life. Mm, the the hundred thousands or the thousands of Afghan the public women, kids, all this they they died by the suicide. And I know a lot of American they the American soldiers they lost their life and. I know a lot of my American friends, I meet them sometime here, they lost part of their body. And the U.S. government spent a lot of money in Afghanistan, but at the end, nothing. That hurts sometimes. That can, when you're thinking about, you know, we had a really strong unit in Afghanistan. The unit or the organization I worked for in Afghanistan, we had seven, eight, eight bases in all urban Afghanistan. Those eight bases was enough to bring the Taliban down in all urban Afghanistan. Put the Afghan army and everything on the side. But at the end of the day, the Taliban came to the Afghanistan, the Afghan force came out. And I, you know, sometime when I thinking about our unit and we were sleep there, we were eat there and we were trained there to fight with the Taliban. But right now what we did, the Taliban came and they, they lived there and they use our range for their training. As, that hurt me a lot. Well, it must be it must be horrendous. I had a, a, um, a fellow Afghani, Fahim Haz, excuse me, Fahim Fazli, who is an Afghani national. He moved to the U.S. Actually, became an actor, stopped his acting career to become an interpreter with the U.S. Marines. Went back to Afghanistan for a few years and then came back. And I I had a discussion with him a few years ago, and then after the Afghan withdrawal, and. It, you know, there there were some interesting things. Firstly, he was saying that you know when we're pulling a lot of these Afghani's out, you're taking the great men and women from Afghanistan too. A lot of the great minds that could create, you know, could make Afghanistan even better. But between him and a lot of the the members of military that have been on here, it's hard not to feel like all those men and women died for nothing. And of course, they didn't. They they made a huge impact, but. You know, it must be heartbreaking for you as well, having fought for your own country side by side with a lot of these men and women, and then just to watch the Taliban come back in and take everything that you fought for. Yeah, like I said, it was it was a very hard thing. That true, like uh, you know, even like a like I said, like especially when the U.S. forces came out and uh, you know. Most of the high education people came out from the Afghanistan. And even when the people there in Afghanistan, they're scared as hard for them to work because, you know, most of the control, the ISA, like all the technology thing, 
it's not from a media, but I heard from a lot of my friends, like right now the Pakistan is a the Pakistan is a we call uh, the snake from our like a when they came from the t-shirt like uh, the Pakistan is uh, it was never honest for our for us even when they gave a place to for the mujahideen to live there and fight for the country they protect they use the Afghan they let the Afghan stay because the Pashtun is a part of the Afghanistan is a long story you know is from the uh, they let the Afghan to live there, they, they didn't honestly, for me, they didn't help us. And they, they were smart. They, they, they protect their country. They use, they send the Mujahideen to Afghanistan. They let them to live, that's true. They live on part of Afghanistan because until attack their part of Afghanistan, US government, the some of the Arabic country, they give them the money, they give them the open to fight, but they were smart for their country. They protect their country. But the Afghan, they fight, in the right now, even like uh, when I heard from my friend, uh, there's a lot of the until the the Pakistan uh, intelligence they control everything. When the Afghan, you know, first thing when they are coming to every office, like government office or that, there were like some people with a nice uniform, nice clothes. They're coming, they're sitting behind the computer, and like um, I'm happy for the education or the people, the smart people, they're coming out from Afghanistan. The reason, because if they were in Afghanistan, right now, almost every day, it's it not coming on the media, but I heard from my family and friend, and they were killing those people. They take them out from the home and they're killing. And the other thing, uh, first thing that hurt me, uh, to, we were never thinking to, what happened for the Afghanistan. And the second thing, yeah, some of my member of family, the BRCC and some of my other friends, they helped to they take them out there in the US. But the rest of my family, including my two brother-in-law and my brother and nephew, they support also the US and Afghan government. But there in Pakistan, we try to help him to come on out. It's difficult for me to take him out. They still live in Pakistan or some of them in the UAE. That this is the always like the hardest thing. I always thinking about them how their life will be. You know, some of my family they still back in Afghanistan, but they came out. If they didn't make it to come out from Pakistan to here or Europe or any other safest or good country, it will be difficult for them today go back to Pakistan because they will be a big target for them. Well, when people talk to me about Afghanistan, one of the big things is that you are, you know, a, a country, but it's made up of many, many tribes. And the way I've seen, you know, here in the US, in the UK, where I'm from originally, is one way you can control a country is you divide it. You get them to start fighting amongst each other. And I can see how removing education in Afghanistan would maybe set people back and have those tribes starting fighting with each other again. When education was doing well, when, when you were allowed to learn, when women were allowed to be in schools, was some of that education uniting all these different tribes and making the Afghani people feel like they were part of one great country? Honestly, for the education, like I said, we, you know, for last 20 years, Afghanistan, like I said, there was a many changes, education, sport, and Afghan government. Like, uh, I was, uh, you know, the education, especially in last 20 years, the people uh, came 
but they're very good education, high education. And some of them, uh, they got like scholarship. They went out from the country and always like year by year, the education was always going up in Afghanistan. But for the, uh, I heard a couple of weeks ago, there was a meeting around like 25 people in Turkish, like some of the leader and some of the uh, commander of uh, the old Mujahideen or leader from the, from the different place. And they're trying to start like a, right now some uh, in North Afghanistan, there's like a few places they're start fighting with the Taliban. But they try to make like a swim, like a, when the Russia won in Afghanistan or, or before Russia, then when the Russia came, you know, the fight start with a small group and they were fighting uh, until they got the whole country. Honestly, I'm not respect a lot that kind of thing right now. The reason, when they start fight, they will lose a lot of the young people. They're sitting out of the country. Their kids sitting out of the country. They're going to, their kid, their family, member of family, they're going to like good school and uh, Europe, US, Canada, many other Turkish. They, they're happy with the family, but the Afghan days, they're in Afghanistan, they're killing that new generation. Honestly, you know, when the U.S. or the old Afghan government came out from the Afghanistan, when the Taliban came, I'm sure you saw on the media, the people was, uh, there was a lot of poor people in Afghanistan. And that group decided that there was a good system, education system on many big uh, promise. But still, in last one year, we had a villages in Afghanistan, they don't have a school. The reason, we had some mafia on, uh, on, the, on the government. When they came out, from, when the Taliban came, I saw the leaders and some of the commander and some of the politic family, they had a house like for, they built that house for the million of dollars. But there was a people, they don't have a school. There was a people when they were eating at nighttime, they don't have a breakfast. They were always, they were always thinking for their self, for their power, for their family. They were not honest people for the Afghan. When I say I, I hate Taliban, they kill a lot of, uh, they kill my uncle. And even I came there ambush few times and I was always fighting with the Taliban when I was in Afghanistan. I don't respect and I don't like the Taliban. But the reason when I say they're, uh, I don't like what they're doing right now, they try to fight because if this, they go to the fight, if they take their son and their family with them to fight with the Taliban, that's true. But they'll say in the safest country, they're killing some other Afghan. Honestly, uh, but there's other way right now, you know, the Taliban, no country beside the Iran or some like uh, some of the, like Qatar and Pakistan or Russia, they organize the Taliban, the U.S. still not. They have a good chance to, they can talk to the U.S., some of the high country, do they bring the fresh, like right now the U.S. they do on the Taliban because the Taliban, they know they are not honest what they promise when they start the negotiation with the U.S. government on 2018. I honestly, when I think that was a 2018, what they promise and they not do that and why the U.S. government and they not respect and what they are doing. I think 
that's the good way, the negotiation. But I don't like the fight with the Taliban. The mean when I don't like, I hate the Taliban. But I, I hate when I hear when some of the Afghan got a kill. And, and also the other thing, Afghanistan uh, is a small country with not big population, but there's different, uh, we are like, I'm Pashtun. We had a Tajik, Uzbek, many other language. The country is uh, not for the, the Pashtun or Tajik country. Is the country for all, is a Afghan, when I said Afghan, I'm, if I'm Pashtun, I'm Afghan. If the other one is Azar, Uzbek, or Tajik, or Pasha, or Nuristani, I respect them more than me. Afghanistan is a home for everyone. But right now, what the Taliban doing, more the power on the Pashtun hand, the, more because most of the Taliban, they're Pashtun. I don't respect that. But the good thing, if they're coming with the negotiation, uh, they do the come on with the talking to make a, they give them a room for the rest of the, even, I don't respect that the old leader who they, they make, when the US was in Afghanistan, when they, they come on with a lot of money. That's true, they spend some money on Afghanistan, but most of the money go to their pocket. I don't respect those guys to they go back on the power because they will do the same game what they did in the past. But I respect the new education people to like a, even Pashtun, Tajik, Azara, or Pashai to DC, their own Afghanistan. I think I respect that. You know, when uh, we were like proud, our government and that everything is gone, but it's very difficult. It's very hard to the Afghanistan, the 20 years, time, the 20 years money, the 20 year we lost the member Afghan American from the other country where they come to help support or build Afghanistan. We can bring that back. But honestly, uh, as an Afghan, like uh, it's very difficult and it's very hard for us. Like I was sometime I was thinking to go back to Afghanistan to see my family, to see my friend, to see the country I grew up. But it's, it's, it's not possible right now. It's hurt. You know, that through the U.S. government came, they support us. You know, they, they didn't promise us to this stay in Afghanistan for the rest of our life. But I don't respect my leaders why they didn't make a good decision for the country. And they had a lot of good chance they were not honest people for the country, and but the the Afghanistan built and last twenty years after the uh, when Afghanistan was down, they came to the nice country with the good army, good police, good education. People situation was okay. Like uh, most of the people, they had a job, they had a business, but right now everything is down. It hurt a lot. Well, and the common denominator, a common theme seems to be, just like you said, a few people want to have all the power. A few people want to have all the money. And we can put it even on a, on a lesser severe case. If you look, When you came to America, I'm sure one of the things that probably struck you was how many people are very, very overweight, very, very sick. 
And again, you know, we have a nation that's dying in a different way here in the US. It's not, I mean, there is a lot of violence here, as we'll talk about in Virginia. Um, but also we have a nation that should be extremely healthy, have the best education in the world, have the fittest, you know, people, um, the happiest people, and we don't. And some of those, whether you look at the history of cigarettes or fast food or pharmaceuticals, there are few people making a lot of money out of the rest of the population's health. So, you know, even though you're talking about, you know, an absolute combat zone where atrocities are happening, and I'm talking more of a kind of chronic, slow death, it's the same issue that I see, whether it's in the name of religion or race or, you know, politics. As soon as you let a few people basically use their population to make themselves, you know, rich and powerful, you always see problems, whether it's Afghanistan, the UK or America. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, honestly, you know, like I said, uh, you know, we are uh, in the world. Sometimes you are thinking like I'm thinking like we are the bad luck people. You know, the last 20 years that that was a great chance for the Afghans. But we didn't use them on the right side. That true, you know, when the U.S. government comes to Afghanistan, that money most of the money go to that, like, there was a few people on their pocket. Every, every site of Afghanistan or every, uh, uh, like, a, like I said, I'm passionate Tajik, every language had some high people. They were thinking they did for their soul, not for the country. If, if they were honest, I think we will be not on that situation right now. The reason I'm in America, because I support the U.S. government, we serve together, and they try to kill me or they try to kidnap or kill my kid. They, because I was honest first for, uh, for my team, and they helped me to move uh, to America. If my country was safe, I was major. I was a company commander. I had more than 100 soldiers, and I was their commander. I would be in my country. I would be happy. But those guys, they were not honest. You know, before the Taliban came, the president of Afghanistan, the president of Afghanistan, he sent one of the uh, person as a governor on north of Afghanistan. And the people, and they came on the road and they said, we not need him as a governor for that province. Because there was one of the leaders behind those people. Like... The same, West of Afghanistan, we have some, they were not respect the government and even they were fighting with, on the media and they were saying, but we're for the president and North, he were thinking I'm the king and he said they were thinking I'm the king for the country or for that part. I think that kind of thing, uh, they hurt our country and uh, sometimes uh, I'm sad or mad on my public people you know, you know, those guys, if you sort first, you respect or you follow them, find out where is his family, How, thinking about his business, his situation, and thinking yourself and your family. You are a poor people. If they respect you and they, they support you and they help you to build a road for you, school for your kid, and Give, find you a, like a business, a way to support your family, you can respect that kind of people. But you know, 
they're fighting for their power. Still, you guys support him, that kind of thing. This is the big miss for the Afghan people. But still, like uh, that true, we used to have, and we still have some high education people, and we respect him to have him to make a bill, the country uh, nice. It's, it's difficult. Our country was way back from the Europe or US uh, or that kind of country. But still, in 20 years, our country was grow up, you know, it was up from the ground. But we are thinking like our country went back like 100 years from now. That need like education people, some people today thinking for the country, work for the country, not for their pocket or for their power, for their family. It was hard, honestly, to find the honest people that they're thinking about the country and the people in Afghanistan. Yeah, well, and I think that's the problem. It's not, not just limited to Afghanistan. We see that corruption all over the world. Well, I want to get to your journey. So one thing that we both have in common is martial arts. So I know you did Taekwondo. I know you boxed and kickboxed. So when did you get into the martial arts? Oh, honestly, when, uh, when we were in Peshawar, I, I was a pretty young boy, but I did Taekwondo. I was as a child. And when we come back to Afghanistan, you know, after the five years when the Taliban came to Afghanistan, you know, it was difficult for my family to hold my family stay in Afghanistan. Then my oldest brother, they moved back to Peshawar, to Pakistan. And, and sometimes I was saying Afghanistan, the Taliban was not telling me because my age was, I was underage. And I was sometime in Afghanistan, in, uh, in Pakistan. And Pakistan. I then I did some kickbacks, taekwondo with my friend, and went to the, the we call club or the school like taekwondo club. And beside that, and uh, you know, there was free, and I don't had a lot of responsibility to do for the family or for myself because I was underage, and I was always received support from my family like food. The money to I spend from everything for my clothes or anything, then I had a more time and I was like, trust me, I was did uh, the gym or the uh, the taekwondo or cake but two times a day, morning and in our evening. And like in Peshawar, they were called like Slamia College. There was a nice green grass and nice weather, and we were walking with a friend and did practice. And I. I run from more from the friend and also, and I was I run more like some of the good cake or some of the technique from the movies, and I was watching like you like American or some of the uh, uh, Chinese movie to learn from the from them. Uh, when I when I come back to Afghanistan, even the Taliban time, and I saw some of the new generation like the young kid. Um, the same age or a little bit older than me and they were practicing some taekwondo and I joined them and I see them I was a little bit high uh, the, than those guys the reason I was high because I spent my more time in Peshawar on my sport and I learned some like some of the nice cake or box or some of the technique from the movies and I when I had the time to to watch, learn from the two movie and practice with a friend to learn that technique. And I went to the class in Afghanistan. I saw the teacher. I was stronger than the teacher. 
then the the new dad the student and they were telling me hey you are good and we saw you can you teach us i said i was young that was difficult for me i said i don't know maybe and i lived close to the river and there was uh, grass close to the river nicest place then i start teaching my friend the friend and that and one day i remember and there's a school in our village uh, they have a big hallway and my when i came as a teacher for the taekwondo and that hallway was full some of the students was they were using the classroom because there was no uh, desk or uh, table or chairs like a, that was like a carpet on the floor they were using that and i came honestly in taliban time i came up famous as a good like a taekwondo teacher and i i honestly just the time i learned from when i was in peshawar i used that time on my sport and that was a good chance for me to i don't had like a family responsibility to make money or thinking about the family or the job in that thing then that helped me to when i come back to afghanistan to help do uh, people and honestly i was didn't get the money from them because i was know their poor people and i was getting energy with day by day my student was more 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 because i was beside i was teaching the people and i was explain them to be a good man to be a good man for the family for the place and the sport were most of the people uh, the even that young guys was smoking like cigarette or uh, ashish in afghanistan just i was that was the one rule to let them hey you not need to smoke not here at the gym or at the we are sport and you are rest of your life just like a, that hurt you and this i was trying to like help this guy then i when i joined the my unit we had a boxing competition i have the uh, the cup when i they gave it to me there was a boxing competition i came a boxing champion on our unit amazing now with with the martial arts like even there's a lot of discussion now with jiu-jitsu but i i was doing it as a child as well i did karate taekwondo i mean kickboxing boxing um and i saw how martial arts does teach you respect teach you teamwork teach you community teach you hard work so did you even back then under taliban rule were you watching your martial arts training um if positively affect the students that were in your school the like uh, like i said i was not getting the money from them because i was no they don't have a money to give it to me and i was not need the money because i was underage and my i had the family support and the only one thing i was need from the people respect and uh, when i said respect is a money thing smoking how can uh, when you see the other guys and the other thing you know even and almost everywhere when some of the new generation people when they go to the gym they're come to the public they're fighting people and that kind of thing and that was my other thing when you come to sport is good for your health is good for you to protect yourself is not i'm not teaching you when you walk in to fight with other people and and the other thing about the jiu-jitsu martial that uh, when i came a uh, Uh, champion then uh, after few months i came a uh, one of the commander for our unit and 
one of my American advisor, he was a good fighter and he was a good kickboxer. And I did the kickbox and jujitsu with him. And he was teaching us. Besides, I was teaching my my soldiers, and he was <clears throat> really strong. He was a good fighter, and he was teaching us. And we were fighting like at some jujitsu, grappling, and some of kickboxing like together. And we were teaching our soldiers. Besides, uh, you know, we are teaching that to how can use the gun in that. Just like teach them like how can if you don't have a gun and how can defense yourself or how can you fight with your hand or leg now before we get to your journey into the military i know you ended up joining up when you were 17 when you were a little bit younger when you were still school age was there any other career that you were dreaming of becoming before you went to the military or were you always thinking that you were going to go into that My biggest thing, honestly, I was always thinking because to be a good education person. Uh, my other dream was like a, to be a person to support the family because I always grew up in a poor country or the, with a friend, like we don't have the money. Like I was, I had the dream like to one day if I am a good, like a businessman or something to train, to support the the new generation, especially my friend in that. But the, my biggest dream or was, uh, I was thinking to be the joint, like a, uh, to be an arm, like when I came on that, uh, when I was child in pepper shower and I was uh, heard what they're doing, how can they are fighting? And when the Taliban came, then, you know, that's true. I was, I was teaching some people at Taekwondo but, you know, besides that, our country was day by day was coming down. It was coming down the uh, everything like business, education, the people was coming forward day by day because no business, no, they don't have a trust from any other country. Like, and I was always thinking to, like sometimes, like how can that, that government go out to have a, good country but we were always inshallah thinking like because my uncle he was close to Masood, commander Masood. I, we were here from him like uh, they were thinking like one day we will be take out the taliban but you know the 9-11 happened and here in the usa then happened on Masood. they killed the suicide Masood got killed by the suicide attack that was a lucky day for the Afghan people when the U.S. came. Then, yeah, then I came on my dream, but joined the, my uncle, I'm 17 age, then he introduced me with that unit. So what, what was it like before 9-11 as far as that fight against the Taliban? And then what changed once we started, you know, deploying, you know, the allied soldiers over there? What was the difference through the Afghani eyes? Oh. You know, uh, be, uh, the big difference, like, we don't have a government. We don't have a, that true, there was a government by the Taliban. We don't have the army. Our country was broke down, and no education, nothing. When the U.S. the U.S. special, when the first time I saw the U.S. soldier, 
that was a big difference for me. I see like they have their arm vehicle, they have a nice uniform, and they're fasting that on the road. And that was big difference for us when we'd see you in like a 10, 12 Taliban with their gun and sitting inside and and back up the track. And it was a big difference. It was a big difference to see nice training soldier with the old <laughs> Taliban government. That, Many different things, honestly, many different things. Now, when I've had members, especially of Special Forces, the Green Berets, on the show, one thing that they all seem to say, you know, obviously some of these conversations are after um, the withdrawal, is that in an ideal world, we would have gone in, used our Special Operations Special Forces soldiers, attacked the training bases, killed some of the key figures, and then left again. So... With you not only being an Afghani national, but also a member, you know, a commando, a member of, of the, the fighting force. Um, what is your perspective of what should have been done if we could do it again versus what did happen when it comes to the allied forces coming in? Yeah, uh, I should have told you, like, we were very sad from the Talib, uh, from the government at that time. We were really sad from them, and we were always welcome to that kind of situation. To we were prayer to like to that region come a change. Yeah, we heard when the when the the U.S. special forces came and they came to Kandahar and to west or south, west south, and they first came here and and honestly, then we were always like getting. A, energy to be like thinking like hey this this is the last day for the taliban and this is the last day for them we were always like thinking hey we need more support we need more support until they came from the north of afghanistan when they came from the north they start fighting and they came start from the north and we heard from our uncle he's part of that group and they start and when he came with them also, he came to Lagman province with their forces and declared all the Lagman and finally they get all the Afghanistan. Honestly, that was a great time and great for us. When they come to Afghanistan, when the U.S. force come to Afghanistan, when they start attack uh, 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 the special force, I was not in Afghanistan. I was, uh, because Afghanistan was hard for me. My age was, uh, I was, when I came Almost 17, I moved from Afghanistan for f- f- uh, four, almost five months, went to the Iran because that was difficult for me to spend more time on Afghanistan. When they came, I was out of Afghanistan, but always heard from the media and that. Then, uh, yeah, from the family, it was, we don't have a, like, uh, like a straight contract with the family because we don't have a phone and that in our home. But some of family in Pakistan from the news, that, that helped, that was make us very happy when we heard the when the u.s government uh, the u.s special force and they come and start fighting with the taliban to take the taliban out beautiful well walk me through then your journey to joining the military and then how you ended up fighting side by side with some of the men that you're working with today when uh, when the taliban come from the afghanistan the u.s government or the we call the Karzai, he was a president, you know, the, we call the Karzai government. When the Karzai government came by the U.S., and I, I moved from Iran, I come back to Afghanistan, and 
And my uncle, he was a, he was a general. He was a big commander. And uh, when the American come to Afghanistan, then we uh, invite our un- uncle for dinner with his big group. And we, my uncles, when I meet my uncle and I call, I had a call. My uncle, my uncle told me, "Hey, you really, yeah, you you grab you, like." Uh, I said, yeah, and he told me, come to our guest house tomorrow, get the Ghanaian uniform. I said, yeah, because he was my uncle, my mother, father, a brother. And I came, uh, uh, my uncle, a uh, bodyguard. And I was a bodyguard for my uncle. And then that special for the organization or the, t- uh, the, uh, the team I worked for, they asked some of the Afghan commanders to introduce some of the Afghans, uh, their clues, family, they had a plan to make a special unit. And that unit will be run, all the support, pay, supply, everything from the U.S. government. And my uncle introduced us 11 people. And I was, because he introduced his close, uh, like family or his bodyguards. And we start in our unit with a 59 Afghan soldier. That was from almost all from from different part of Afghanistan. You know, the U.S. government had a plan to hire us, bring us to the U.S., train us here, then go uh, train rest of the Afghan. But that was changed, start with the 59. That was more cheaper for them to take and train us in Afghanistan. We start with the 59 people. And I was, you know, one thing, when I was child, I was really interested to be a, Commando, because I was good health man and I was sport uh, sportman. I had a lot of energy, but I don't had a chance to join the army or the special forces. But that was my lucky day when I joined the <laughs> that unit. Then the U.S. Uh, like we had American advisor, uh, we had a range in nice uniform. We start from the basic training. In one month, I came uh, when we graduate and in, in 40 days, uh, 40 days, and I came as squad leader. The reason, because I was really interested to be that kind of man. And the second thing, my family situation was okay. I remember when when we came when we uh, come to the training in the morning, end of the day, some of the Afghan because they were poor people. There was a new government and they were said, we charge $10 on President Bush because we received $300 on month from the, uh, they pay us for like three, when first we start, they pay us like a $300 for one month. And like rest of the Afghan, they were thinking, okay, we, we spend one day, oh, okay, man. They were thinking to the money over to they can get the pay. But I was thinking, I was watching the American advisor, our teacher, how can like from their foot moving to their hand moving, safety, everything. I, I run quick. And also when I, in our break time, and I was, we had a big mirror and also we had a gym. And I was in the bathroom in front of the uh, mirror or in the gym in front of the mirror, I was practiced by myself. And that helped me to be a good uh, soldier at the beginning. And I was watching and listening to them and learn from them. Then I came at squad leader. 
from squad leader, I moved to the recon team. When I was in recon team, I learned a lot of things. Then we done a lot. I done a lot of high mission with our team and also with some of the American civilian team. Yeah, the the first when I joined, I was happy. And the second thing, I was lucky to my family. I was not thinking to how can make a money to support the family. I was thinking to be a good trainer, to be a good soldier. And that was, um, I was like that one, but I came a like squad leader. And, and after like a two year, I came a, the the company commander. We were doing some civilian mission and done a lot of mission in city and almost all over. Then after that, I came a master trainer for all the unit we had in Afghanistan, 2007 and eight. Then after that, I came a company commander. We done the mission and all over in Afghanistan until 2015. In 2015, I'm sure you heard my story uh, when I said why I came to the US. But during that time, honestly, and besides, from the first day when I met the American in Afghanistan, I had a good friendship because I was trying to learn something from them. And I had a, I was young, but I was Taekwondo teacher. I was received a lot of respect from, I was more like my student to give me a respect more. And I was one of the soldier and I was gave a lot of respect to my American advisor because we were, they were our teacher. I was learning from them. Then when our, the training cycle is done, we were ready for the mission. Then meet even some other friend. Uh, still, I have a contact with them. Then in our free time, if we don't have that mission, just sitting, hanging out and talking about the life in Afghanistan and America. And that keep our friendship more stronger beside our mission or our training or army thing, just like sometimes we were talking about personal thing, personal life, and that keep our friendship more stronger. I had a, a gentleman whose code name is Johnny Walker. He's Iraqi and he now lives in the US and he became attached to the Navy SEALs and kind of you know, like yourself wasn't, um, he started off as, as an interpreter somewhat, but he basically made himself become a commando and was attached with them and, and, you know, was on many, many missions. But one of the interesting things is the the U.S. forces obviously cycle through. They deploy for X amount of months and then they go home and a u- new unit shows up. But Johnny was always there. He was doing mission after mission after mission. When I see that you did 1,500 missions, I'm assuming there's an element of that with you. So unlike our British or Australian or American forces that cycle through, talk to me about the Afghani soldiers and how often they're, you know, seeing combat over those years and years and years. Honestly, <clears throat> when I say 1500 mission, I say that, but when I'm thinking sometime, when I count what I did, maybe, maybe more than 1500. You know, uh, when I, uh, during that time, honestly, I done some of the mission by myself. Just go do some of the mission, different part. I done a lot, some by myself, without any support. Even I don't have any knife because that was difficult and hard. Um, 
then our unit honestly was a big different from rest of the Afghan forces. You know, the, for soldier to to be a soldier, you know, some of the soldier in Afghanistan, they they work from their heart, and most of the, some of the soldier, like uh, you said, they were thinking about the crap selling that kind of thing and some of the soldiers they they were be a soldier to make some money to support their family it was difficult the soldier like me and to they like the army or special force for them that was i think they were always strong and good on good position but most of you know for rest of the afghan like the, the support or uh, the train we had, that was big different. You know, we, we were a small unit, like almost like 2,000 soldiers in our unit. We had uh, eight more base. And our supply uh, support more than Afghan army because I know Afghan army or special force, they got a support or train from the U.S. government also. But our advisor or our teacher was more stronger or more experienced. They had a more, you know, even even he had a more experience, uh, like Jab Kurkan. And I was meeting, uh, uh, you know, some of our advisors, like our teacher, they had 30 or more than 30 years, from 15 years to 30 or more than 30 years experience. We we were lucky, our unit, like we had a, some strong and good, uh, long experience teacher. But for rest of the Afghan, we, why, uh, we were always thinking we are different. For a few reasons, we were thinking we are different. The first, our support was straight U.S. government, not the Afghan government. If someone want to go up, that was our decision, not from Afghan government decision. The reason we know, I came as a, one of the leader for the, our unit. I was support the like the young, uh, like the people today need to be coming up. We were watching them who was doing best and during the training, they were the mission, their education, his physically, everything. We we make them high position. But in our Afghan government, that was always crap. Like, like the big crap at the end of the day we saw. And like if you know you were know someone in Afghan government, uh, you can go high if you have some support, like spend the money or a relationship. But our unit was different. In our unit, everybody had on a good position. That was in their hard work. So as you touched on, in 2015, you were able to move to the U.S. So if you wouldn't mind, give me a little backstory as to how that was possible. And then talk to me about that culture shock coming from Afghanistan and finding yourself in Virginia. Honestly, uh, yeah, in 2015, finally, I got a chance to move with my family to the U.S. We land in New York and New Jersey. For me, I was uh, not language uh, or shot, but for my wife and kid, that was a big shot for them. The reason for me, like I said, like for my in Afghanistan, we were sharing like the life family story with each other. I was no little bit about the culture, but still that was a big difference for everybody, but more for my wife and kid. When we came 
land and the airport. You know, Afghanistan had a small airport and we came out very big on the big airport. And also when we passed the cast, uh, uh, the custom and also came out from the airport, see the different country, different weather, different road, different buildings. And the people, they are not speak our own language. Even my English was not good. That was a big shock for us. And uh, when we first, the first week or some, we were really happy. Then day by day, then it was a little bit difficult for us because we were, there was a small Afghan community. I was not, I don't have a lot of relationship with them. But for us, for my kid, and that was like a big uh, language, big culture, big different on the country. It was a big shock for us to see the new country with the people, even for my wife. And, you know, she was, she's still wearing like uh, cover her, mm, her hair, just her face open. But see the pee at the omens what now cover and different clothes <laughs> that was difficult for them. So one thing that a lot of military report, a lot of firefighters and police officers is when we transition out of our profession, when the soldiers come home, for example, sometimes they struggle if they're not with their unit anymore. They're not, you know, um, they don't have that purpose. So there you were as an Afghani commando, you know, obviously in your country. Now you move to a totally different place away from most of your family. You obviously just moved to, to keep your immediate family safe. What about the mental health side? What about your emotional health of, of leaving? That's true. Uh, honestly, for my, uh, when I was in a combat, I saw a lot of blood, different that kind of thing during the combat because our unit was really strong almost every day in a combat fight. For me, it's difficult, but for me, you know, my family support, they make me to keep everything, you know, you know, the thinking here, my wife and kid, I don't have any other from my family. Sometimes, you know, I forget everything. The reason I forget, I was thinking about my past life and that was that was hard for me to how can handle my wife and kid. And I was thinking if I go on shock or something or thinking on my old life and I will be losing my wife and kid because you know, uh, before I came, my family had a good power in Afghanistan. When I, uh, like my father, he passed away, but before that, he was a chief of education. My uncle, he was a general killed by the suicide attack. My sister, she was a senator. And when I came, I honestly, I forget everything in Afghanistan. And I was thinking, how can, the, when I was in Afghanistan, I was a good commander for my company. And the first day I land in America and when I was watching, walk around and see, I was thinking, how can be a good father for my kid to one day I bring my kid for the U.S. or to Afghanistan as a good education kid. Honestly, um, most of it's difficult, but for me, I was always thinking about my family. It was when sometimes I but sometimes that come on a mind, oh, how was that fire? Lost my friend or that. Then the other side, I had my family. I was thinking, if, if I think I'm on my past life, 
then I will be lose my this life. For my the wife and kids, especially for my kid, I was not the one I was thinking about my kid. My family, they were always give me energy. Hey, now we're in a safe and good country. You need to focus more on your kid education. Even for you, you need to go to the school. Maybe one day you will be come back on good position. And also, if not you, just thinking about your kid, send them to the school every day, just always teach them a good thing. For me, like, honestly, it was a difficult, but again, like my family life that make me to forget that thing because when I uh, come to America and Afghanistan, I was majorly received good payment. And also we had our own personal, like a business, like land and everything. Like I was a rich person to, beside my family, I was supporting some other Afghan. But here I start from the basic. I start from the basic and just, I, it was a difficult thing. Uh, you know, sometimes like the life in America, they uh, like the hard life uh, in, at the beginning that make my head a little bit different because, but I was honestly at the beginning, first six, seven months to a year, until two years, I was trying to fight with that kind of situation to bring out from my brain and man because my always i bring my i brought my wife to my face and my kid to my face if i lose my brain then i will be lose whole my family just i bring a lot of pressure on myself to be forget everything until when i come to utah uh, then i see even jeff kirkham and they give me a job on great company then i had a more happy life here then when you're happy on your life, it's, it's easy to forget that kind of stuff. Well, because it must have been challenging to yeah. go from being a company commander of an Afghani special forces unit to being a cashier in a gas station. So I can see, I mean, I, I think back to some of the, the least fun jobs I had, and I remember being you know, not happy. <laughs> so then you add that with all the, all the, the, the combat, you know, the, the lives you had to take, the people that you saw that lose their lives, the family members that you lost, seeing your country crumble under the Taliban. That's a huge amount of weight. So you're in Virginia, you know, you're, you're doing this, you know, somewhat called menial job compared to what you were used to. Talk to me about how Black Rifle came into your life and that journey into Utah, because I think it, it speaks so highly of what the company represents. Yeah, like you said, in Virginia life, uh, that, that, that true healthy, nice, safe life, but that was bad. When I said bad, that was that true, that safe, I was a bad personally for me, because like you said, my first life in Afghanistan before I moved in here, that was hard, hard life for me. Hard life for me to live in the public housing, and the neighbor is not nice with you, with your kids. They were running on my roof and they hurt my kid. And in life in Afghanistan, I had a nice house, nice car, even some like bodyguards. Like, but here, like uh, when you out from your home. When I was out from my home in uh, Afghanistan, I had a lot of respect from the public. Even as uh, if when you stop by sometime in Utah, I will show you the, some of my family video. You will see like thousands of people there follow my family and they will listen to my family. When I came here, it was hard for us 
to came out from the people uh, from the house in Razi, the same respect. But it, that was true. That was different country. But that was hurt me to when uh, my kid was out from my home. My wife was sitting, watch the kid, the neighbor kid. They were hurt my kid. That was the hardest thing. And the job, as a man, I make myself stronger. I said, okay, forget what I was in Afghanistan. Just start from the basic. I, you know, sometimes I'm say I'm a seven years old right now. That means I my life in seven years. Like I start the basic life here. I said, okay, forget the life in Afghanistan. I was a man in Afghanistan to be a commander. Make another man to support yourself and your wife and kid. It was big challenge, big different to handle that kind of situation. To start from the basic with a little bit money to take care of everything. But the good thing when I uh, find my old friend, all team at the BRCC, Evan Jab, Matt, these guys. When I came here, <clears throat> first they invite me to come here. I'm sure, do you want me to, I know you heard that story. How can I found these guys? Yeah, no, please give me the whole stories. I think it's very powerful from, you know, from the, the Facebook post that first connected you to, to, they didn't just bring you over, did they? They, they created a, 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 you know, they, they began that home for you as well. So I think all of those, the fact that they thought you were dead. I mean, if you want to tell the whole story, I think it would be great. So thank you. Um, thank you. Honestly, when I heard uh, this, you know, I was in uh, Virginia life. And one day I called my brother and mom and I was told them, hey, we are not happy from the life. We want to come back to Afghanistan. And my brother, oldest brother, who was in charge for my family, he said, just don't make that stupid decision. We are not worried about you. Just stay in America. I know you were as hard for you, but you were safe. Your kid, they are safe. And one day your kid will go to the great, your kid go to the good school. And one day you will, we will hear about a lot of good thing when your kid graduate from the school and, uh, and from the college and that. And we were thinking the good future for our family in Afghanistan when your kid come back when they graduate from the college as a as, as a doctor or as an engineer or that part of the government. Just, and they, they didn't let me to go back to Afghanistan. And I made decision. I, I talk, speak to my youngest brother. He's in India. We had a plan to go to the India. And we were really close to go to the India. And, and one day when I came from work, just I opened my Facebook. And I, Jeff uh, uh, and from the BRCC, they were in the live show. When I saw that, just like I was really happy. I asked him, hey, uh, Jeff, this is, you know, they, they know me by Wally, but my full name is Muhammad Wally. And Jeff was telling me, and even when they're talking about that, and they're telling me when we received the message, and uh, the, the guys, he was uh, responding, uh, the message and he came to me and he said, Hey, there's a guy by the name of Muhammad Wali. And he said, hello to you. I don't know who's this guy. And Jeff said, I don't know who was. Then I sent one of my picture. We were together in Afghanistan. We took that picture together. Then when they, he saw the picture, he said, I was like a shock. Oh, that's you. And they heard I'm killed in 2013 because beside my unit, I went on the combat and I, in my personal life, I was, my personal life was danger too. I was, they were, fall, they were looking for me to kill or 
do something on me. And they heard in 2013, I'm killed. And he said, you were killed. Why you sent that picture? Then he, he responded me quick. And when he responded, hey, who is this? And uh, it's Wally. I, then I text him, yes, it's Wally. And I send him my phone number and my address. Then they called me and he said, are you live and are you in America? I said, yeah, I'm here in America. They told me, then they said, we live in Utah and how's your life? I told them I work in the gas station and they said, you're happy. I said, no, I'm not happy from the life. I told them I'm happy to say, but I'm not happy from my daily job and where I live. And they told me, okay, we are very happy to, we have a contract with you. Then they invited me, can you come to the Utah to visit us? I said, yeah. Then they asked me my schedule and everything. Then after that, they made the flight ticket for me. And I flew from Virginia to come to the Utah. One of my friends, Jeff Kirk, in. he came to the airport, pick up me and come to the, BR, the BRCC. And they showed me that our company. And I see even after a long time. And they were very happy for me. To, I'm, that was a different Wally. He got a kill and I'm alive. And I'm here in Utah with them. They gave me a tour of the company. Then I was here for one week in their home. And they introduced me with some of the other good friends. Then I share all my personal and my family life from Virginia. And they told me, what do you think? If we help you to move from Virginia here, we will give you a job. We help you to find a place to live. Not like public housing, nice place. And... And we help you for the school, everything. Can you come to here? I called my wife. We were in a, one of the mount on, to, on the mount, and I can call my wife on Weiberg. I showed the Utah Salt Lake City with the camera. I told them Utah is, looks like uh, Afghanistan, and I told my wife, "Can let's come to Utah first to see the life in Utah." And there, my brother, we served together. I trust these guys, just let's come to Utah. And she told me, you are the, in charge of the family, that's your decision. The, okay, just told him we are moving to Utah. Then I told Evan, Jeff, uh, these guys, hey, we want to, um, my wife is happy, we want to come to Utah. And just, I went back to Virginia for my regular life gas station. <clears throat> Uh, then in one month, I received a phone call from them and uh, and they sent me the picture, Jeff. They sent me the picture of the house. They said, that's your house. And that the school uh, is like a 200 meters from my home. And the hospital is like half mile from my home. It's a big hospital. And they know because uh, when in Afghanistan, I was sharing my personal life with them. And here the life, and they found the place very close to the shopping very close to the hospital, very close to that school. It was because my wife, she was not speaking English. And then we, uh, they told me, before you come to Utah, the stuff you have from Afghanistan, bring that thing. We make everything ready for you. Then, yeah, when I came from Virginia, house was ready, but all the furniture, everything. Food for like more than week and everything. And they were always asked me to help me with everything. 
Then I had a like week or two week uh, to stay with my family to handle everything set up. Then after that, they called me, "Hey, are you ready for work?" I said, "Yes." Then I come start work at the BRCC in a great place. Then honestly, the day I start work at BRCC, BRCC is a good place for everyone. The people they are working, everybody's they have a good benefit, everything, good friendship for everyone. For me. It's more good. The reason when I sit, I always, every day, I see my old friend from the army and I'm never thinking I'm working for BRCC, for my friend or their company. The day I start work here, they always give me a respect and I'm thinking like, this is my own business coming in the morning, go up back home in the afternoon. That is a great great place and i'm very really happy and honestly my life is very good now like i have i own the house now i have a nice car my kid they are going to very good school my wife she's driving that everything came from brcc well it's also mirrors what you said about your father so there you there your father was who had impacted people in um you know utah and idaho and now here you are, who you yourself has impacted people in Utah. So it's it's amazing kind of parallel journey that you and your father took. You know, that was the life in uh, uh, with the BRCC and like my personal life with the family and Afghan community. I meet these guys and we have a lot of Afghan. And honestly, in uh, the Afghan, they make me a president for the Afghan community. I was a president for the Afghan community for almost two years. Then I busy. Then I, it was hard for me to handle job, personal life, and the community. And yeah, there's a great people. I always call them by uncle, because you know, uh, in Afghan, uh, I uh, I grew up in Afghan culture and uh, family. If someone older than us, we're not calling by the name, just call them uncle. And even my uh, kid, when they see Jeff or Evan, they call them hey uncle Evan or uncle. Jeff, they not call them by Evan or Jeff or Matt. Just they call them by uncle. For us, the same. They're oldest, and I really respect them. And when I when I see them, they're always thinking like they share the time from my father, and that make me very happy. And honestly, and the other thing, uh, in January I joined the second job beside the. BRCC. There's a veterans security company. They call uh, Library Black Change. They're also they know Evan. There's also that connection from the BRCC or from my friend like Jab or Evan. The company, the, those guys, they're also veterans. They've been in Afghanistan, and they offered me a good deal. And Evan was not here when Evan came here. He was happy for me to I got a good deal. But hey, Evan didn't lose me. Evan told me, hey, I'm happy for you. I know you have a big family. You make more money there, but uh, stay here. When you have, like, a, he didn't tell me to, like, just Evan told me, join that job. I'm happy for you. And we are not losing you. You will be still part of the company. You will have the same benefit. I still, like, now I have a two jobs. When I'm not doing anything, just like Evan told me, once a week, once a month, even during the week time, if you didn't make it during the weekend, if you have time, just stop by, do your thing, and just 
we don't want to lose you and this is that uh, make me very happy their respect for their relationship for the friendship and that make me very happy like uh, first i move here to the they support me with everything job and the other good thing you know i'm the father of eight kids you know when you have a eight kid you know a lot of family stuff coming up like sick or you know school thing appointment at the beginning my wife was not driving and just like they were always selling me first family second job do your family thing and i didn't lost my any money they are always because they try to support me and help me to take care of the family stuff first and right now i'm happy my wife she is driving but again like at the end even when i got my second job even told me do your that job first just like a, we not lose you just we pay you you can make more money for your family well, it's so good to hear, and I've heard so many good things about Black Rifle. Actually, a, a part, a project that I'm part of. I won't say you know the relationship yet, but I think we're going to be partnering with them hopefully. So that'll be an interesting thing for me to talk about in the future. But I had Tier coming on talking about BRCC gives and all the the nonprofit work they do, the archery, that kind of thing. Um, but uh, but also as a business model, as you said, allowing putting the employee first, putting the family first before you know profit. I think it's something that a lot of American companies have lost. So it's so good hearing, especially this story. I mean, what an incredible story of brotherhood and you know camaraderie and and uh, selflessness that that they've exhibited and that you've exhibited and, and this this bond that's carried you through you know decades. But I think from a business point of view, putting the people that work for you first is something you see from very, very successful companies. And then what happens is people like yourself are happy and then you make a good product. You're, you're, you know, better with the people that you communicate with and the company does well. Yeah. That, that's, that's true. That's true. And the other thing I, uh, besides they do the architecturing, the support and donate money organization and also the other big support I received from the BRCC and some of my other friends, and, they, you know, when the Taliban came to Afghanistan, some of my family, they came to U.S., but still most of my family there in Afghanistan and Pakistan. But BRCC donate money with my other friend to take my family out from Afghanistan and there in Pakistan, but they, they donate money for my family too. Beautiful. And am I right in understanding that BRCC, excuse me, BRCC was also involved in Save Our Allies, so some of, helping some of the people after the withdrawal? Yes, they did. They did. They did. I am the sample. <clears throat> they did. And they tried to help a lot, but, you know, some of them, the government thing, and they tried to help a lot, but they, uh, they support mm, what they think and they support more than that. They helped uh, a lot of Afghans and veterans beautiful well i would love to just throw some closing questions at you before i let you go if you've got time okay brilliant okay thank you um so the very first one would be interesting getting your perspective is there a book that you love to recommend to people it can be related to our discussion today or completely unrelated honestly uh just one thing uh, i should you know i told you i have a eight kids I'm very busy with the family 
And honestly, as I don't, I don't know how can recommend the book. But the for as a human, the good thing for the like a human life, the good relationship is a great for everybody. To you know that relationship make my life happy right now and i'm happy talking with you and i happy in my personal life that came from the relationship the good relationship respect relationship beautiful i haven't had that answer before but i love it don't read just be you go go meet someone and talk to them and build a relationship <laughs> all right what about a film or documentary any any television shows or or any films that maybe were a good insight into afghanistan Honestly, I'm watching sometimes I'm watching like an action movie. You know, my person my personal life was in Afghanistan, like Black Hawk Down Mission. You know the movie? Did you watch that Black Hawk Down? I did. I even had some of the real men on the show. Yeah. And I I like that because my personal uh, my life in Afghanistan was close to that movie. And I love that movie, honestly. I like that movie. It's a, it's a hell of a story, yeah. When you hear the the real men telling each of their stories from a different perspective, it's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, the next question is: There a person that you'd recommend to come on this podcast? So RJ Casey obviously recommended you. Um, so someone to come on this podcast to speak to the first responders, military, and associated professions of the world. Honestly. Uh... For me, <laughs> there's a lot, but uh, me, Evan or Tyler, Adam and Charles. Brilliant. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, Evan's someone I want to get on for a while. I heard him speak on Joe Rogan's podcast. and I think he'd be a, a fascinating person to talk to. Um, all right. Well, then the last question before we make sure people know where they can find you and reach out to you. What do you do to decompress? You mentioned having eight kids. I have a child and, and I have a little boy and a stepson. So I only have two total. Um, so yeah, what do you do to decompress? What do you do to relax? Honestly, <laughs> just... Uh stay home when I play with my kid and especially I have a seven boy and one daughter and when I take him out sometime to the park or just uh, spend my time with the family and kid and when when I sleep my daughter she comes sleep on my chest that makes me more relaxed on my life <laughs> but honestly I'm relaxed I'm just you know, if you have an eight kid, it's hard to find a time to be relaxed. But yeah, more family time and with a friend that make me a little bit relaxed. And cooking some kebab and that kind of thing for my kids. So just quickly, it kind of popped into my head. When you were young, obviously your father was an educator. You know, you were kind of led down the military life because, you know, there, there were people terrorizing your country. Now your children are growing up in the U.S. What are some of the professions that they are dreaming of becoming now they have the opportunity to be anything? Honestly, you know, in Afghanistan, if you ask the father or the child, what do you think you're, what do you like your child be? They said, maybe I would like my son coming as a doctor or engineer or something. And I was like that too. And my oldest son, especially uh, almost my old kid, uh, at the beginning, they were say, my oldest uh, son, he will say, like, I want to be a doctor. For, for me, honestly, my kid, like rest of the American or Afghan, they live in America. They're lucky kid 
to their go to the good school. And honest for me, I led them to their choice. You know, my son, he loved my oldest son. He loved more business. And he used to like uh, to be a good doctor. And he said, uh, I was asking, why do you want to be a doctor? Because he was heard a lot from the family, like on the, the Afghan. And he said, I want to be a doctor to go help the people in Afghanistan. And right now he's thinking to be a businessman. When I said, why you want to be a businessman? Because he said, when I make money and I support the Afghan children. <laughs> and for me as a doctor, sorry, as a father, I, I'm not bringing a lot of pressure. I told him, hey, what do you want to be? You need to be doctor or engineer or pilot or something. Just I let them to what their choice and what their, their self relaxed for that, you know? Beautiful. Well, just one thing as well. You mentioned about having, you know, some prejudice when you were in Virginia and some kids bullying your child. Now you're in Salt Lake City. I think one of the most irresponsible things our media has done is portrayed that we're at war with Iraq, the whole country of Iraq, the whole country of Afghanistan, rather than talking about Al-Qaeda, Taliban terrorizing the people of Iraq, the people of Afghanistan, and that we're not at war with the whole country. So when you moved from Virginia, what was that shift in, in Salt Lake City? Did you see a lot more kind of open-mindedness and, and more groundedness in the men and women there? Yes. You know, one thing, uh, when I come from Virginia for one week to meet with my friend, I told them my personal life, how is uh, sad in my personal life in Virginia, how is my wife and my kid, they're not happy and they're scared. And one thing I forget to tell you, you know, one day I was in the gas at, at work, my wife called me and and she was crying and she said, there's a dead body in front of our home because there was a public housing. And when I share everything and they were the... the my friend even job they know how was my life in Afghanistan <clears throat> and I live in America is a very high country than Afghanistan but my life I'm not happy from my personal life here and they were really sad first when they heard when they find the place in the beautiful neighborhood and for me you know is a great neighbor it's easy for that was easy for my wife and my kid to they can walk for two three minutes to school, and they always receive. Uh, you know, and Virginia was a barracks, and here's a different. Myself, my wife, and my kid they always receive respect from their neighbors, and they respect what I done in Afghanistan. And that gave us more energy. That gave us more energy for my kid to be more proud of what we did in Afghanistan. And I never heard anything like that as a tourist or why the Muslim do like that. I didn't hear anything in Utah. I live in a great neighborhood. You know, sometimes during the summer when the kid out from the school, some of the my kid friends, and they stay until 11, 12 o'clock at night in my home, in my basement, they play with my kid. That means their parents trust us and they respect us. And... I always telling my kid the same way my wife she do. We told them, "Hey, you guys need to be as a brother, brother and sister with your neighbor kid." And why I'm always uh, as a human, we are I'm very nice and friendly with my neighbor, and they're with us. 
And even sometimes when my neighbors, they go out for family vacation, like go somewhere, and they gave us the key to give a water for their flower and wash their home. And we do the same. That means like we have, they trust us and gave us respect and we do the same. And honestly, we are very happy and great place. And, you know, when I was new here in Utah, my first child in America, my daughter, and I was at work. My wife, she was uh, pregnant and she, that was the time she needed to go to the doctor. She wanted to go to the doctor. <clears throat> you know, from three o'clock to 5.30 or six o'clock, there's a lot of traffic in a highway from Salt Lake City to my home. And she called me during the traffic time and she said, hey, I need to go to the doctor uh, because she was pregnant, you know. When she called me, then I told my team, my the uh, my manager, to, I worked for a great friendship. I told them, hey, uh, I need to go to the doctor. They said, yeah, please go. And I was thinking if I call 911 or ambulance, it was difficult for my wife because she's not speaking English and who will be watching my rest of my other kid at home? Then I had a phone number from one of my neighbors and I called her, I told her, hey, I'm at work. My wife, she needs to go to the <clears throat> doctor. Can you please help? And she told me, told your wife, I will be there and you are home in three minutes and I will handle everything. <clears throat> you know, then I drove from my work to my home and she she took, uh, took my wife to the hospital with my oldest son because he speaks English. And that, that was the time to the doctor, they will, they will take my wife to the, do the C-section. And when I came to the hospital and she told me, hey, will, yeah, are you here? And she ran from the hospital to come to my home to watch the rest of my kid. And I was in hospital and she was calling me, hey, don't worry, your kid, they're happy. They have a food and everything. That thing, that was a big difference between the America, Virginia and Utah left. In Virginia, I received unrespecting, not from everybody, but from my neighbor. And Utah, from my work, from my neighbor, yeah, the Utah is like Afghanistan. The uh, my neighbors they're very friendly, very very nice, and the work I'm happy from the work from the everybody here, and we love each other, we respect each other. Beautiful. Well, that's such a powerful perspective, and thank you for telling that story. Firstly, I believe that most people are inherently good. I really do. But it's also an interesting perspective, and I saw this because I was a firefighter and a paramedic for 14 years. There are many, many places in America that are beautiful and you come from Afghanistan or, you know, wherever and be like, wow, this is an amazing country. But it's also very important for us to understand that there are places in America that you could move from Afghanistan and feel very, very threatened and unsafe. So, you know, what a, what a powerful perspective to, to leave Afghanistan and be in, you know, in, in, uh, low-income housing in that particular area and see gang violence and, you know, overdoses and some of the things that you witnessed when you were living there? Just one thing I would like to share, the other thing, you know, one day I was uh, uh, at my work in gas station in Virginia. One of my daily, uh, uh, like, customer came and he asked me, hey, are you from Middle East? Or I told him I'm from Afghanistan. He told me, are you Muslim? I said, yes, I'm Muslim. And he put the stuff he up on his hand. He he left from the gas station. And I had some more uh, customer. I gave them their stuff. And I was 
when he come uh, next time, the owner, uh, he was the Indian. I told him, can you take care of the cashier for like few minutes? I want to talk to these guys. And he said, yeah, go for it. And I called what we respect. I said, excuse me, sir. Can I talk to you for a minute? And he was, what do you want to talk? I said, please, I want to talk to you for a minute. I told him, yeah, I'm from Afghanistan. I'm Muslim and I'm proud to be a Muslim, but I'm not terrorist. Just as a human, can you please talk to me for a minute? I told him, are you American? He said, yes, I'm American. I told him, what you did for your country? Did you serve? What you did for your country? And he said, no. I told him, I'm from Afghanistan. Besides Afghanistan, I support all the world, including America. And he told me, what? I told him, you know, Al-Qaeda, they're doing their tourist batting almost all over in the world. I fight with the Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, shoulder by shoulder with the American soldier, with the American brother and sister. And the reason I'm here, my personal life was danger because I support the U.S. government in Afghanistan. I'm here. I'm not here as a terrorist. And I told him all the Muslim, the real Muslim is not the terrorist. The Muslim is not killing each other or other human. But it, I told him it's a big game. I talked to him for, for like 10, 15, 20 minutes. Then he, when I was talking to him and he started crying, then he, uh, then he gave me a hug and he said, I'm very sorry. I apologize what I did the other day. He was front of the more customer. Then my owner, he was watching me. And when I was talking to him, he was no, I told my owner, but when he left, I, then I told my owner what he did. Then he was watching me when he started crying. And then, yeah, we told him we are human. That's true. White, black, Muslim from different religion. We, we are all human. We are brother and sister. But, you know, sometimes uh, they're not Muslim or they're not from different religion where they're killing each other. You know, that, you know, sometimes when the people come in crazy, even the other day, I think in Texas, when they kill some of the kids, you know, that in every, that is not part of the religion. You know, that's true. When in Afghanistan or some of the Muslim country, when the suicide attack, that, then, that kind of stuff coming, happen, that coming from Muslim, but this is not from the religion. He's not the Muslim. Even in our country, one of the, the from the Jalaluddin Haqqani, he was said, like, I, I sent the 1500, the suicide attack happened from my side in Afghanistan. He was killing the other Afghan. You know, they're using the people in Afghanistan is a out of education country. If someone have an education, they never, uh, if someone have education, they can read the Quran. They will know what the mean of Quran. Why most of, most part of Afghanistan, they're, the kid or the new generation, they're away from the school. They not know. In Madrasa and Peshawar, they teach them the wrong religion thing. The, when uh, when they teach, I'm Muslim and I'm proud to be a Muslim. My wife, she was walking in Afghanistan with no burqa. Her face was because is never and even like long time ago when Prophet Muhammad, when she, her her wife his wife was also her face was open, but honestly, it's a big day game and big. They show the Islam religion, but 
to the world. I don't want to talk a lot, but yeah, thank you so much. That was a one time happened with the person and he was, I first, uh, he earned respect to be a Muslim. And when I explained them, then he, then after that, he was a good friend of mine. And the, then he was always, even he, if he was not buying anything, just he was stopped by and say hello to me. <laughs> well, that is an amazing story. And again, it just, it's when you take the time to see someone as a fellow human being, you know, and, and, and especially with that education piece. I mean, if you look at a lot of the dark elements of history, I mean, the, the rise of the Nazi party, for example, education is what they did. And even, even today with some of the things that people want to take out of schools, it's, it's a very dangerous thing to do because as you mentioned, the more we learn, the more commonalities we find, the more I realize that you and I, are you know servants to our countries and we're parents and we're sons and you know martial artists you know so there's so much that binds us or bond you know, or bonds us should be a better word um and you know the the differences are to be celebrated you know you're from from a beautiful country in the middle east i'm from a, a country in a beautiful country in europe um so what a powerful story to, to round off this conversation so thank you so much um thank you so just one last thing if people do want to reach out to you where are you on social media are there any places that they can can send you a message yeah the, I'm on facebook and also i'm on facebook i yeah and my phone number or my email address okay well we won't take that on on, on air so, so they can reach out to you on facebook though okay yeah i'm facebook i think it's a wally taslim W-A-L-I, then uh, Taslim, T-A-S-L-E-E-M is my favorite. Well, Wally, I just want to say thank you. Firstly, for being so generous with your time. I know we've been talking for over two hours now, but uh, you've just got such an incredible story, not only your own personal journey, but, but Black Rifle. A lot of people recognize the name, but hearing you know what the company really stands for and that brotherhood that you forged in Afghanistan that carried you over to the U.S. as well, it's been an amazing conversation. So thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much from you and thank you for your time. And also, sorry, you know, my English, so I didn't learn school, uh, English at the school, just I learned English from the friend, from the like daily relationship, like talking to a friend. But sorry for some of the missed, uh, like understanding. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. I have no Pashtu whatsoever, so your English is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.